From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Coming soon to Dread, the maid. Joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family. Joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance. The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021, and on Blu-ray August 17, 2021. Welcome to Development Hell. Available now from Dread, the Queen of Spades. According to legend, an ominous entity known as the Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. Four teenagers summon the Queen of Spades, but they could never imagine the horrors that await them. The Queen of Spades is available on demand everywhere and on Blu-ray, July 3rd, 2021. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. All right, so I'm here today with my two guests. I'm with Ted Henschke and October Keegan. Uh, Ted, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Um, yeah, happy to do so. Yeah. yeah, my name is Ted. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief for the website DreadXP. I'm also the head of productions for the 
video game publishing and production label of the same name, Dread XP. Uh, we did the Dread X collections, and uh, just a quick you know plug here is that uh, you know we're coming out with Spookware, Dread Delusion, and a couple others uh, that. But you can definitely wishlist uh, Spookware right now on Steam. That's my plug. Okay, October. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, I am October, and mm. I am a senior editor for the website Rely on Horror. I'm a Resident Evil freak primarily, but mm-hmm. I also dabble in Silent Hill on the side. Uh, I'm also a freelance artist, um, and I draw spooky things and sometimes uh, loot things. It's a little all over the place. Wow, diversity. I think, I, I think October's uh, selling themselves a little short here. Uh, of, of the Resident Evil experts I know on this planet, I would say October's in the top five. And the fact that they know <laughs> a little bit less about Silent Hill does not make them any less of an expert by uh, normal fan standards. Yeah, Ted jumped right to suggesting October for this episode, which we are going to be talking about the canceled Silent Hills game. So generally, this podcast has only discussed horror films trapped in development hell, but we're expanding. We are extending our reach into video games. And why not start with what I personally would consider one of the more infamous canceled titles of recent you know years is silent hills i myself am not a huge gamer so i was very lucky to have ted in october come join me today um, i'm going to rely pretty heavily on their expertise but i do love silent hill the franchise so i'm here and i am also excited about it but they're probably going to lead me along the way so today we're going to talk about the Silent Hill franchise as a whole, how we relate to it, what we think about it, if we like it or not. We're going to talk about Silent Hills, the 2014 production that didn't actually end up getting made. And we're going to talk about the future of Silent Hill, as well as why Silent Hills was ultimately canceled. So I want to start us off with sort of each one of us giving a bit of a rundown on our relationship with the Silent Hill franchise. Um, yeah, so I'll start with you, October. Uh, what is Silent Hill to you? Like, what? How, how would you describe your relationship with the franchise? Um, I mean, I'd say that Silent Hill, there's always been a discussion, you know, whether or not video games are art. I hope at this point that's kind of been laid to bed. Um, video games are very much art, and if there is any greater example than Silent Hill, uh, I I would be curious to know what that would be. Silent Hill is something that I think is really hard, even like you said, if you're not a gamer, if you're not even into horror, I think that Silent Hill's a brand that you can't look at for any length of time and not go like, wow, this is something special. This is something that I haven't seen elsewhere. Not really. Mm -hmm. Um, Silent Hill has been something I've been into since Silent Hill two. Um, I, uh, I was introduced to it uh, by a girl that I was trying to date in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ever since then, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been something that, like Resident Evil is a game that I play because I want to play a video game. Like just I'll just put it on. Sometimes I'll have the audio on, sometimes not. And I'll listen to a podcast or something like that. Um, Silent Hill is a game that I have to give all of my attention to. It's a game that I that I'm playing because I want Silent Hill. <laughs> I want that experience and I want that emotional high that it gives me. 
for lack of lo- a better way to put it. I love that. What do you have a favorite game in the franchise? Um, I mean, from the, the 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 series is in two very distinct halves: the Japanese half and the Western half. Um, they're so different from each other. I think it's hard to pick one from both sides. So I'll do hard to pick one between all of them. So I'll do one for one side, one for the other. I'd say that for the Japanese games, probably two, although, Mm -hmm. you know, three is very close with the Western games, definitely shattered memories. It's a very unique and experimental game. And I appreciate it for that. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I am interested in learning a little bit more about the, like the team silent games versus everything else. Um, Ted, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're at with the silent Hill series? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, similar to October here, like the reason I mostly got into, uh, silent Hill was like, uh, there was a, I had a significant other that was like a huge silent Hill two fanatic, uh, which you know is generally where a lot of people come into like the fanaticism of of Silent Hill two, uh, Silent Hill franchises, like through Silent Hill two, especially when um, I was kind of getting into it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into it until a little bit later in life, so I would say eighteen nineteen, uh, which is oh god, how old am I? Uh, Twelve, thirteen years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I wasn't someone that played them like as a kid, mostly just because like when I was growing up, I didn't really have access to them. Um, this is you know a time before digital distribution made everything like super easy to access. Um, I, I really got into it. Um, I used to teach a class at uh, UC Berkeley called Video Games as an Artistic Medium. I taught that for about five semesters. Um, it was like a student taught class, but I had to like get my curriculum approved. Everything was worth two units, so it was. Um, you know, a little bit, it wasn't just like a, a fun thing I was doing. Um, and uh, one of the things is that during the, the, the final project every year we would have uh, every semester was uh, you had to present a video game and why or why, why it was or wasn't art. And, um, you know, based on the teachings that we had done over the, the course of the year, and we'd always have several submissions for Silent Hill to like every year. And um, that's kind of how I got really inundated in the discussion of video games as art. Um, at a time kind of before the discussion of video games as art, like on the internet was as prevalent as it is today. Um, and so I always, I always was very, very fascinated with the Silent Hill franchise from, from that lens of like, why does this resonate with so many people? And also, you know, when I play it, like, why does it resonate with me personally? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, so I, I mean, I've, I've played all of them. I, you know, when I, like I said, at 18 or 19, when I, kind of got into it um like i started with two and then Mm -hmm. i immediately went back and played one and then there was a like a discount video store you know but back when they used to have those um Mm -hmm. down down in in berkeley which you know that's actually a few of them and um they had like the 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 one dollar games without cases section it was basically they did you know sell sold used games that they didn't bothered to like try to figure out if they were valuable that's where i got like the metal gear solid three for a dollar that's where i got like odin sphere for like a dollar that's where i got cool. like Disgaea for a dollar you know like these like insanely valuable games and that's also where i was able to pick up uh you know all of the existing silent hills at the time for like five bucks and um you know at the time it, it felt like even though i knew that there was a lot of discussion that i had stumbled onto something like magic in that way that like when you go to the, the, the used video store and you buy a 50 cent, you know, shitty horror movie, and then you watch and you go, wait, this is great. And like, no one's talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really exist anymore, but that was, there was like a time period of time where that was like kind of how you discovered 
your new fandom. And oh, um, totally, yes, yeah. So that's kind of my my uh, my history with Silent Hill. I've I've been a really I, I've I've followed it and I've loved it for a very long time. Um, I but I didn't much get involved in the internet discourse about it until probably about four years ago. And even so, there's like so much discourse about it, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But um, mm-hmm. anywho, um, I would say that my favorite, I mean, if I were to rank them, it would probably be four, one, two, three, six, Origins, Shattered Memories, five. Uh, so Are I think you having to apologize for four all the time? I, I, forgive me because I'm not in the, the culture as much as you two, but is, is four... Like, is it something you have to defend? Um, not as much anymore. I don't think, I mean, October, you're going to have to, you know, kind of chime in here a little bit on this, but I think there was a period of time where like four was like very heavily derided. And I don't believe mm-hmm. it is as much anymore as it was like many years ago. Um, especially since like, I think book of, uh, book of memories and, uh, five and, you know, in some ways six, like has kind Downpour. of absorbed a lot of that, uh, uh, discourse. Yeah. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot more Silent Hill for, I don't want to say apologists, but like, Hey, yeah. this was like actually, you know, good. It's, it's certainly better than it used to be. Like back in the day, it was always seen as the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, still you'll hear people say, um, and this is not true. People go like, Oh, well, it wasn't even supposed to be a Silent Hill game to begin with. It was retroactively made a Silent Hill game. It's not true, but because it is so weird and different people roll with that. And uh, Silent Hill is a franchise is a lot like if you're familiar with that meme from the Simpsons of um, uh, groundskeeper Willie like screaming out the window like the 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 Irish ruined the Scots and the Scots ruined the Scots and something along I I reference this meme that I don't remember it essentially that it, it's like these layers of like toxicity really but but you'll hear a lot of people be like oh the the only games that matter are the first four because they were made by team silent but there is a level of fandom that will go well actually it's only the first three four doesn't count and then even below that there's another weird tier of like the only game that matters is two which is like that's all right that's a wild take yeah (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. i think i think it's very similar if you were to compare it to like the resident evil fandom of the people that say like only you know, Resident Evil 1 through 3.0 and Code Veronica count and that, you know, 4 and on and the light gum games or whatever, like aren't real Resident Evil games. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I do think that that's, that's like a minority of the, uh, of the fandom at this point. I think the only, like, I think the only way you'd kind of get raised eyebrows is if you were to say your favorite was like Book of Memories or 5. Like that's probably yeah. the ones that would raise the most eyebrows. Just like okay. if you were to say like Umbrella Core is your favorite Resident Evil game. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like I've heard a lot of flack about Downpour recently, but this is just for someone doing research on YouTube. And so Downpour not... gets a lot of flack for sure. I think undeservedly, okay. but it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the time period it came out, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into yep. that last year of the month of madness of Silent Hill, which is a Konami thing. Uh, was really bad. It was a really dark, really toxic time in the community. And I don't think downpour got out of that as good as it should have. Yeah. Um, And it also released very, very buggy, which Hmm. had that sort of like ball in wonderland effect where like you played it for an hour and you're like, wow, this is really buggy. This game sucks. And they never touched it again. Yeah. That's sad. I saw that happen with the Friday the 13th game for a lot of people. 
Which yeah, is sad because once that game got smoothed out, geez, like I was very obsessed and I played it endlessly. Well, it is um, interesting too because it is worth yeah. remembering um, that when Silent Hill Downpour came out, a lot of critics were were talking about how it's like it's a good step forward for the franchise. How it's you know I remember the you know Zero Punctuation, who's very famous you know video game critic, talking about you know how it's actually better than he expected. He thinks that the franchise should die. That's I don't want to speak for him here, but I'm just trying to remember back to when it came out. Kind of the discourse at the time was definitely that you know. Silent Hill, especially not from the hardcore fandom, but like from more of the casual gaming fandom was that like, you know, downpour was a step in the right direction. Um, so it is interesting to see how that perspective has changed over time, which is, I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, but something that's kind of been carried over throughout the entire Silent Hill franchise is like the difference between how people talked about it when it first came out versus how people are talking about it at different points in time. Yeah, especially now when we're, you know, we can't take it for granted anymore because it's been 10 years since we've seen anything. I was talking to October a little bit before you got here about my experience with Silent Hill, which is from the perspective of just a horror movie fan and a very casual gamer. Like when I've, I was really obsessed with like American Mickey's Alice back in the day. And that's sort of what led me down the route towards Silent Hill 2. But for me, it was primarily the film that got me switched on into the franchise and personally, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of the movie. Clear, like every time I watch it, it holds up maybe a little bit less and less. But I think for the same reason that people connect with these games, the movie was really cerebral and outside of the box. And it's just not something you get to see a lot specifically in the horror genre, you know, where we're so used to action and a lot of like gunfire and stuff like that. Instead, we get this really psychological, cerebral horror story with Silent Hill. And I think um, a lot of people are drawn to that. What of did course, you you're guys... talking about the film Silent Hill Revelations 3D, right? I, 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 absolutely. <laughs> We're talking about Revelations. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm not, I'm not the person that hates that movie the most in the whole world. But yeah. Oh, no. I am. It, are you? Yeah, <laughs> like, Car- okay Carrie Ann Moss? Was trying. Um, so I mean, hard. I mean, look the the the, the pr- presence of good actors in a movie. I mean, Carrie Moss <laughs> is also in the Bye Bye Man. You want to say that was good? I mean, oh, God, listen, she was. Was I bored? No, <laughs> maybe I was actually. I, uh, I, I pro- <laughs> there's a story I probably shouldn't tell, but I will anyways. I was doing the press junket for uh, the Bye Bye Man, and I was interviewing <laughs> Carrie Moss and uh, <laughs> the dude that looks like Anton Yelchin that was in that movie. Uh-huh. Isn't he Anton Yelchin? Uh, he was like in uh, at some point we're talking about like the the bye bye man and how it like gets in your brain and that's how it works. So I said, is this like a more cerebral horror movie? And Carrie Ann Moss like laughed and then like she was like, we're gonna have to cut that from like the footage. Like so they had to cut her like giggling at the question to the footage. That was, oh, that was good pretty for fun. Her. Oh, I'm so glad she's getting another Matrix movie. Yeah, um, oh, she's great. She deserves it. Um, yeah, so what did you guys think of the first Silent Hill film? What was your relationship with it then and maybe now also? Um, October, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, I love the first Silent Hill movie. Um, I actually, something I'd really like to do uh, an article or a video on someday. I recently watched both of them back to back. And I think that combined, they are a wonderful example of how to and not to adapt something. (laughs) Um, that first Silent Hill movie, I think, holds up really well because it's more about capturing the game's atmosphere and tone and sound and look. 
Um, I mean, you look at that movie and it's me like, oh, it's Silent Hill. And the fact that they actually had Akira Yamaoka do like base. I mean, it's basically just the soundtrack from the first four games mm-hmm. um, with some mild remixing by, I think it's Jeff Dana, who also did the score for the second Resident Evil movie. Cool. Um, and it's, it has all of those feelings. So as a fan, you're like, oh, this, this feels right. You know, they went out of their way to do things like recreate the opening um, of the game's uh, first other world section. And that's like almost shot for shot in certain places, which is really cool. Is that when they drive in? Is that like uh, the... when, when the, when the sunlight first dies out and Rose is walking oh. through the chain link corridors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost shot for shot of what that moment is from the first game. Yeah. Um, and as such, you have fans going like, wow, this is neat and interesting. This f- reminds me of the games, but it also doesn't do what the second movie does. The first movie uses a completely original cast, save for Sybil Bennett, who's basically the same as she was in the game, except maybe like a little angrier <laughs> in the game. She's pretty chill. I'm sorry. But is it the cop? Can you remind it's me? It's the cop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, who is, her name isn't coming to me, uh, also from The Walking Dead. Right, um, yeah. But, uh, so as a fan, there's nothing there. They aren't ruining a character for you. You're not like, oh my God, they turned Harry Mason into this. They aren't, they, they're, they don't understand this character. Instead, they just made up a new character that ha- plays the same basic role, but mm-hmm. from a different perspective. Yeah. As opposed to the second film, which is all characters from the game, and every single one of them is wrong. About as wrong as you could possibly get without like, actively telling the audience to go fuck itself. I'm so, is, are we allowed to swear on this? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, that like You have uh, the character Vincent, who in the game is this very creepy, puzzling... Um, or... It, Help me, Ted. It, Vincent is is the the one that uh, Kit Harrington played, right? It's I believe it's, so. I'm trying yeah. to. I, I've I, I have brain damage from Revelation. <laughs> uh, well, Kit, Kit Harrington plays a character. Um, mm-hmm. He actually he actually filmed it before he became famous because of Game of Thrones. It had to with, have been, yeah. With yeah. one of the worst American accents I've ever heard. Not but good. he's playing a character that in the games is this very creepy, manipulative. Um, like string puller. He's just like an. He's like you can't tell if he's your if if he's helping you or leading you down the wrong path. And he famously has a line in the games where uh, uh, Heather says something along the lines of, "You know, I had to kill all these monsters to get here." And he goes, "Oh, they look like monsters to you? Cool. I'm just kidding. It was just a joke." And it's like <laughs> this this really unsettling moment of like not knowing where you stand with him. In the movie, uh, in the in Silent Hill Revelation 3D, he's like a teenage heartthrob. And yeah. the only connection is the name and sort of kind of his costume. Uh-huh. I'm going on way too long. But basically the point is the first movie doesn't do that. First movie is made by a real, a real filmmaker who had a genuine interest in making a that movie. A French filmmaker, no a less. A French filmmaker, no less. Christophe mm-hmm. Gans, hot off the set of Brotherhood of the Wolf, mm-hmm. where he apparently played Silent Hill 2 in his trailer and fell in love with it. Cool. So the first movie is made by somebody that genuinely wanted to make a Silent Hill movie because he loved the universe so much with Akira Yamaoka from the games guiding him to make sure it's as close as possible to the vibe. 
The second movie is made by MJ Bassett, uh, who I have no ill will towards. She makes really bad movies, and I'm pretty sure she makes them so that she can make rent, just she, based on the kinds of movies she makes. She did a Lion movie recently, is this correct? Is this <sighs> Rogue? I feel like people don't hate Rogue. Uh, is it Rogue with Crocodile movie? Oh, yeah, I feel like... It, I, I could. I, I don't remember. Sorry, I'm, I'm not almost up to, certain. I'm not up it's on my MJ. Yeah, she one. made she made Rogue. She directed a couple episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, cool. Uh, the main other thing I know her from is uh, the Solomon Kane movie from 2009. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, as a fan of the Solomon Kane Kane Kane, Kane uh, short stories and novellas, was unwatchable. <laughs> Didn't look good. Didn't look good. <laughs> It's a fun. It's a fun action movie. If you don't know anything about the source material, I'd say, but you know, that's about as far sure. as. Sure. Is someone looking at her IMDb? Did she do Death Watch? Maybe. Oh, I just closed out of it. No, um, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um. Yeah. It number two, obviously not as successful, and unfortunately, she did do Death Watch. I liked Death Watch. She did do Death. Death Watch was yep. brutal. That was. That, I, I was like a kid when I saw that, but I remember it being particularly nasty, which I can get behind. The first one is a classic the cgi doesn't hold up extremely well but they did us the favor of having most of it go down in fairly low lighting i'm gonna move us onwards into silent hills so if i get anything wrong please interject but in 2012 konami asked uh hideo kojima uh, from the did i get that right yep hideo kojima oh i love it from the Metal Gear games to direct an upcoming Silent Hill project. In 2014, a playable trailer was released, and we got word that Guillermo del Toro and Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus were involved. So Junji Ito was announced to be involved with the project as an artist. So um, do one of you want to sort of just introduce a little bit about who Junji Ito is? Uh, Junji Ito is one of the... I, I don't know what uh, he is a legend in mm-hmm. the manga sphere. He does some of the best, most surreal uh, horror manga that exists. Yeah. Anything from uh, spiral um, to his collected works like shiver. Um, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're not familiar with him, you've probably seen people use his art. Uh, one of his most famous stories is called the enigma of Amigata fault. Okay. Uh, which famously has the panel of someone crawling into a man-shaped hole in a wall going, this hole was made for me. Oh, um, it is a deeply disturbing piece of work, and so is everything he's ever made. Um, he's had movies based on his manga. He's had He has a new anime coming from Adult Swim based uh-huh. on Spiral. Um, that's not Spiral as in Saw, and that's not Spiral as in the other anime from like 2006. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a yeah. deeply disturbing story. Uh, I cannot recommend Junji Ito's work enough to anybody that's a fan of surrealist horror. It's scary. Yeah. It's kind of like looking into what mental illness would feel like. and it, In a lot of ways, yeah. It, it, it's very visceral. Yeah. yeah, Junji Ito was like also known very well for the the Tomie series and like Uzumaki, mm-hmm. which I think is a lot of people like even if they don't necessarily know who he is, will probably have seen those in various different like manga lists or whatever. And also for my personal favorite of his uh, works was would be uh, the Cat Diaries. So mm. can you which tell us a little bit about what that is? Just is? a manga about what it's like to own a cat 
it's it's not really horror, but it's in the iconic Junji Ito style of of visuals, which I think is really really like fun to combine how Junji Ito draws faces and reactions with just like a cat running around and being a cat. Yeah, that's that's another thing that's fun to note about Junji Ito is he does incredibly disturbing uh, manga and and artwork and storytelling. He is like the sweetest dude in the world. He's this very chipper, silly dude. Cool. And yeah. you watch interviews with him. He's just like, oh, that's so great. I love it. <laughs> that's yeah, it's funny. funny. It's like Junji Ito is always like this, like very bubbly, like very kind of silly man drawing these horrific comics. And then you see interviews with like Miyazaki and he's like incredibly serious. Incredibly oh. serious and incredibly like morose. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. It's not exactly the same thing, but I remember being very surprised when I heard what Geiger looked and sounded like. It was yeah. not at all what I was expecting. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's pronounced Giger. Um, oh, but thank you. Yeah. Giger is, is a funny man. Uh, if, if you ever do another podcast on, on Giger, I'd be happy to talk more about him. But uh, cool. if you ever, you know, for fans out there listening right now, the Dark Star documentary is a very interesting look into his life. Cool. I would definitely want to learn more about him. I did an Alien 5 episode, which got me down the rabbit hole a little bit, and it's pretty wild. Yeah, so the Playable trailer was released. It was really well received. It was reviewed well. It made a bunch of year-end lists for, like, best game, even though it was just a Playable trailer. But unfortunately, following, following what was quoted as a restructuring at Konami, this game was eventually canceled much of or i don't know much of the same team but a few key members behind silent hills moved on to the independent game death stranding which came out in 2019 but we have not seen a new silent hill game since 2012 um i assume you both played pt am i correct yeah you, you're correct okay yeah well, I, mean, I, I don't actually want to speak for october that. but i've played it I actually did not get the chance. I was planning on buying a PS4 oh and it was taken off the PS4 store within a month of me finally being able to get one. Yeah, this I'm is so interesting because I, I think <laughs> that this is going to be kind of the tale of the tape for a lot of um, people going into the future is like PT. The experience of PT is largely going to be, you know, either secondhand or through some kind of emulation. Like that original experience is, um, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we kind of get into more about, about what PT was, but it, it's kind of an irreplicable experience, that first release. It's unlike anything I had ever played before. Also, my condolences, October. I hope that we're not rubbing salt in any kind no, of... No, no, I mean, it's... I've I've watched about every Let's Player imaginable play it. I know it very well without having gotten the chance to play it. So there's no uh, way to do this illegally? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not... Uh, I don't have a lot of knowledge in this world i just assumed there was some kind of way to play like a knocked off version but is that not the case no not really i mean uh, you can play the pc pt remake but that's you can a, play yeah you can play fan remakes i've heard about the fan remakes I, I i heard that there was a good one and that konami took it down are there other ones i'm guessing floating out there yeah but probably it's it's kind of like i'm hesitant to bring it up because it'll springboard into a much larger conversation um i mean Artur <laughs> washkovsky a number of years ago made the pc pt remake that a lot of people considered to be the best remake of it um mm-hmm. and you know he is kind of famously was then you know picked up by bloober team to be a level designer which oh. every time you bring up anything relating to those two companies it's immediately uh-huh. going to devolve into a conversation about that which i didn't want to do at this point but yeah i mean i would say that um 
you know, if you play, I mean, and also that version now, I think you can only play it by subscribing to his Patreon or something. It's like 10 bucks, which I'm not exactly sure how that hasn't been, you know, taken down. So yeah. there's a number of fan projects that have kind of uh, remade it. Most recently there was um, a pretty strong analog to it on the uh, Haunted PS1 demo disc. I can't remember the name of the, the game on it, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of fan projects you can play that kind of recreate the original, but in order to play that original, you need mm-hmm. a PS4 with PT on it that never got, I, I think you have to like never have updated it at this point, right? Well, no, uh, it, it's, I think, I think as long as you have it on your system, you're fine. If you delete it from your system, there's a weird backdoor bullshit way of re-downloading it that that's requires a bunch of weird steps because it is no longer available on the marketplace. You cannot re-download it like the way that you would re-download any other PS4 game that you own. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you had you, it has to have been downloaded on the PS4 that you're playing on when it was available. That's the only way to play the original version of it. Wow. It's sad that we're living in a future where, yeah, we were talking about how games are so accessible, but then something like this happens and it reminds you, yeah, it's, it's a pretty fragile system. Yeah. Weird. Um, It's it's, we're, we're coming up on 10 years since PT was taken down at this point. It might as well. I mean, it's as much an urban legend as like slender man. Totally. Scarier. Maybe. Yeah, you know <laughs> the cancellation. Ultimately, how would you describe your experience with PT? Like what? Like what was PT? What was what was that experience like for you as a player? Yeah. Um. So I discovered PT in the early days, like kind of when it first dropped. I had a buddy call me and be like, "You have to download this thing. There's it's all over the forums." So back when like NeoGaf was a thing, it was like, "Hey, you got to check this out." Like people are talking about this all over NeoGaf of this uh, this game. And uh, so I went on to the PlayStation store and I downloaded it. And um, it was actually like when I first started playing it, um, the buzz around the time was that it's so scary that you can't finish it. And Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of bullheadedly, arrogantly, young manly determined to to kind of finish it despite uh, because because of uh, that kind of fan reaction of this is the most terrifying game ever played ever made um and there was something distinctly uniquely terrifying about it because of the crowdsourcing of information about it i mean there wasn't you couldn't just go into game faqs and then like find out you know how to get all the the stuff it was like the the you know back then it would take a whole week i, I think it would it took people like four days to kind of figure out all the secrets and stuff but mm-hmm. um you know we're in an era now where you know, any kind of secret content in a game is either locked so deeply it takes 20 years to uncover it and only by people that are like de- decompiling the code versus, you know, the the other kinds of secrets are, you know, kind of on online even beforehand because usually the companies are going to leak those out to the people that are making the guides or whatever. Um, okay. You know, I think that there was a a sense of, I have to pay attention to everything in this. And that made it more terrifying because you were never sure where scares were coming from in that game. Because, uh, you know, like there's a quote out there about uh, Hideo Kojima saying that like, you know, he, he wanted to make it as terrifying as possible. And if you, if you know anything about making horror games, there's only like so scary you can make a horror game before you like turn people off to it. Yeah. And um, he kind of wanted to throw that rule book out the window and make it as terrifying as possible. So it's a game that 
um, kind of relentlessly, well, I don't want to say relentlessly, there's a relentless aura of fear, despite the fact that things aren't jumping out at you all the time. And um, so my, my relationship with PT was trying to figure out all these secrets, trying to figure them out on my own in those early days, and then kind of coming back to it uh, after kind of jumping into some of the online discussion to find out, you know, where do I find all these different fragments and all that stuff. And, um, you know, and when, when I had actually managed to kind of inoculate myself from the spoiler of it, because it wasn't announced as being, you know, mm-hmm. a Silent Hill game. It was just PT by, what was it? for something productions uh-huh what was what was the name of the production company that was being released under i think it was 4408 4480s let me see i can look it up real quick 7780 studios which was uh, okay. i think the address of some town uh studio where it also like the name translates to silent hill or something in or okay, cool. in japan or something God, I love and um it. anyways so um, my, uh, like I said, my, my experience was like a lot of like doing that early, like kind of diving into it as like a, a fan. And when I got, saw that trailer and I heard that music and I saw who was behind it, I mean, my, my excitement was uh, a level that I very rarely feel nowadays. Like it was, uh, it was, it was a really, I think that one of the reasons that it's so hard for people now to understand some of the, the, the fervor of the fandom is including me. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand, um, you know, some of the deep, deep lore, especially, I mean, obviously Silent Hill four is about cutting the tip of your penis off. That's, we all know that that's a fact. <laughs> that's it's true. Jimmy, are, are, are you fam- just real quick? Are you familiar with what Ted's talking Not about? Even a little bit, but now I'm intrigued. Oh, uh, in 2015, a mod Uh-oh. on the Silent Hill Wikia, uh-oh. Had like a nervous breakdown Uh-oh. or something and re-edited the hell out of the main villain from Silent Hill 4's Wikia page into a long ramble about male circumcision and oh. uh how it's how that's the reason why the villain is so traumatized and when other mods tried to be like, hey, the no take that off he got he like doubled down Uh-oh. and locked the page and started adding in like rambles about the illuminati and how oh, americans no. are sheeple and shit not good and it turned yeah. into a gigantic whirlwind of nonsense that even like developers became aware of because it, it got so out of control and then finally he was able to be like wrestled to the ground basically. And from, I don't know a whole lot about the situation since then, (laughs) but um, the, uh, the guy seems to like, it seems like they got some help and they're back editing things quietly and not doing that. But if anybody's interested in more information, just look up the, uh, the silent Hill circumcision meltdown. Well, I'm definitely going to have uh, to do that. It's the, you know, I love bringing that up because I find it to be, absolutely hilarious um so uh yeah um you know what i was kind of saying is that you know silent hill you know when it kind of got famous and popular and like all of those discussions and stuff you know it was it was it was at a time where evolution of game kind of transparency was kind of uh evolving right like not that i almost say i said evolving evolving but like you know the the train game transparency and how um you know, what we, what information was out there about 
the history of a game's production or what was hidden in the game was, you know, much more prevalent, like that kind of secrets in a game that people didn't uncover for a long time. I mean, we recently just found out that uh, all of Time Splitters 2 is in one of the Homefront games, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a special story because that's so rare nowadays. Um, and with with Hideo Kojima, the kinds of games that he made were, were rife with that kind of secrets that people would have to uncover. I mean, like even as far up as Metal Gear Solid 4, like the the if you did that special, like if you didn't fight um, uh, Ocelot, like there was a scene where you like would kiss him. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, you know what I'm talking, do you remember this? Am I, am I, I'm, I think it's, you just have to like not punch him and then instead you like kiss or something. Yeah, and like that know. kind of stuff um, is, is like throughout all of Hideo Kojima's productions and not only like hidden, but like a core element of like, you know, the psycho mantis needing to change your controller support and how he would yeah. read your memory card and, and things like, and, and there's even things that you can't tell if it's a secret or a joke. Um, with Metal Gear Solid 3 famously there's the boss fight the end who's this old man with a sniper rifle it's one of the best boss fights in the series or you can set your PS2's clock ahead like a month and he'll die of old age yeah it's also not even just if you set the clock ahead if you just take a month to get there he'll just have died of old age yeah (laughs) Yeah, I mean like yeah I mean we're all thinking about it from the perspective of you know messing with the console to like you know move it ahead but realistically it was designed so that if people took a break and came back, it'd be like, Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And um, I mean, Metal Gear Solid three, I mean, if you're looking at a game with a, a plethora of weird interactions and secrets, I mean, from the camouflage system to the, the food system to all the different things that you could do in that game, it was like, there were so many little Easter eggs to pick up on. Like, oh, if I shoot revolver ocelot while he's unconscious here. And after I come back, then I'll get a time inconsistency in a game over, which is like, just a little attention to detail that um, really Kideo Kojima, it's why people love him so much. And so when we heard that there was going to be a Hideo Kojima produced uh, production for Silent Hill Uh and that, you know, Guillermo del Toro was going to be attached. I didn't as much care about Norman Reedus. I think he's a, he's a fine act. I mean, I, he's a fun actor and I, I think he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for me, it was really the creative talent of, uh, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. And it was, it really seemed like it would be this, this promised land, you know, it wasn't okay. just PT, but it was also the, the trailers that came out around the same time. I don't remember uh, probably yeah. less famously, there was a second trailer for PT, not just the, the playable teaser, yeah, but there was the movie concept. Yeah. Well, no, there, there was the, the walking through the, the hallways and you like, yeah, the yeah. It was like a, a concept for the game. I think they called yeah. it. Uh, game yeah, movie yeah. Concept, In, yeah. Internally, it was a like a concept pitch, and then they released it later as like a trailer. And you cannot find that online so easily. Like I watched a really shoddy like someone filming it with their phone version today because I wanted to find it quickly. Um, and it's truly, truly incredible. And I want to talk about that in a moment. But before we do, I am interested in how you guys would describe maybe the plot behind PT if you could even attempt that. Like, how would you describe the the vague narrative that it was setting up? Oh man, that's a yeah. that's a that's a discussion I think is beyond the realm of my area of expertise because I can <laughs> yeah. tell you what is in PT, but I can't tell you the seven million fan theories that I know might be uh, as good as canon at this point. Ages. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know we can talk about it forever, but I, I for people that may not have played it, I know there's so many weird story 
details in it, sort of on like a true crime vibe that I really got into. And I'm wondering if maybe one of you, maybe October, if you're feeling um, into it, the, if you the, could try. The main fan theory I remember is something like there's a signal or something that's causing uh, like fathers all over this town, or maybe it was like all of America, I don't remember, uh, to murder their families. Um, you you hear about it on the radio um and you hear it more from the radio from like uh hanging himself in the garage with a garden hose to hanging himself with an umbilical cord um and that this it's almost like a like a this signals like a virus and that you are either a a father experiencing this signal in real time or you have already done the horrible thing and now you're like suffering in in silent hell for it the game makes it very very deliberately vague and a lot of the like the puzzle pieces point in weird opposing directions Mm -hmm. um it is worth mentioning kojima is very clear that pt was not silent hills that was Mm -hmm. its own story and was not part of the main Silent Hill game. That said, Kojima is often full of shit. So who knows? (laughs) Yeah, they're saying they didn't even know if they wanted to make it first or third person at the time. It was just sort of a concept. Yeah, so as far as I am aware, um, from the people that I've talked to about this, like the PT was was a thematic trailer for it it wasn't going to be like silent hills was going to be walking through 50 of those hallways you know like silent yeah. hills was <laughs> going to be more akin to a third person silent hill game you know kind of like the rest of them were um, i kind of vaguely remember him saying that it like you should remember that fox engine was designed for open world yeah i mean i was just gonna say that if you look at what death stranding became um i think it's pretty obvious what kind of game hideo kojima likes to make oh that's so sad we could have had an open world silent hill all the the silent hills are relatively open world i mean uh, i mean well like like a massive scale open i mean silent hills open world in the same sense that like my neighborhood is open world yeah well i mean like it's like four blocks (laughs) yeah I mean, I think the downpour was probably the most. Open it's the most. It has like actual side quests and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, and then the rest of them. I mean, there's a lot to explore that makes it seem bigger than it is. I mean, it's a series of yeah. linear levels, but there's like a lot of places that you can go to find details. I mean, that they really up the scale compared to a lot of other horror games. I mean, especially for like something like Resident Evil for comparison. Like, you know, there's so much more space to move around in in Silent Hill, especially the original. Oh one. yeah. In Silent Hill 2, I mean, I think the first two are kind of more similar mechanically than some of the later ones, but... Mm-hmm. Do you know, um, I'm sorry, Junji Ito if, had any involvement in PT or in those we don't lots really of trailers? Know. I mean, it's 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 interesting because, like, you know, so much of it is is rumors and speculation and, oh, this person had a meeting at one point with this person. But then again, like, a lot of what you're getting into is, like, the weeds of game design, right? Like, okay. there's a lot of conversations that individuals will have that, like, never really gel into anything but in the through the lens of retrospective kind of recreation of of the lore and reality you know you can you can say oh well this person was obviously going to do this and blah blah blah. but that's that's kind of part of the mythology of pt and part of why it's kind of stayed so strong throughout the years is 
is because we don't know and because there's so much and, and these answers we will like probably never get mm-hmm. which is very yeah. thematically silent hill so maybe it's all part of some kind of big master it's all plan. part of the plan <laughs> yeah Slash there is no plan, and I think it was just a lot of egos probably getting in the way of each other. But we're going to get into that right now with why Silent Hills was canceled. Uh, So it's rumored that the creator and Konami experienced a falling out uh, around this time, which is why he left the studio. And it wasn't long until Del Toro announced that Silent Hills was canceled. Basically, the next day, I believe, PT was removed from the PlayStation Store. And, like, the day after that, Konami basically announced it had been canceled. And then uh, years went by. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like Konami was moving away from these cinematic games and into the profitable world of mobile gaming, which is sad because... Mobile and, and gambling machines. And gambling machines? Wow. Yeah. And famously, the the big one that... A lot of fans, and you'll see them still make jokes about it, even with some of the recent developments with Silent Hill. Uh, there is a patchy slot machine, which is a very specific Japanese kind of uh, gambling slot machine. And um, there is a Silent Hill, well, there are multiple Silent Hill ones now, but just after PT was canceled or Silent Hills was canceled, uh, a Silent Hill 2 themed patchy slot came out which uses all new animation with James and Mary and the whole cast. Uh, but it, all the new animation is like this weird action movie shit. It very much resembles like a quick time event from like resident evil five. Um, and it has this horrible butt rock soundtrack. Um, and it, it famously has a clip of pyramid head, like smashing his sword down. And it goes hit the lever. Oh no! Um, I would play it, it it's, though. Uh, you can check out a full playthrough over on. Um, uh, I think the channel is called Whitney Plays. There's a she is the world's greatest Silent Hill collector, recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Cool. Uh, Whitney Chavis has a full playthrough of it on her YouTube channel. Um, okay. It is a nightmare, and my favorite part of it is that it has a new song, the very last song ever recorded thus far for Silent Hill. It's called "The End." And the lyrics make it sound like a suicide note. <laughs> Yikes, that's not what we wanted to hear. Especially for a, a, a franchise that had such good music at points. Oh, yeah. Throughout. Although I don't know much about the original songs, per se. I don't know. I don't have any information on that. But the scores uh, are just out of the world. Yeah, I mean, all the songs are also written by Akira Yamaoka with... Um, Mary, Meliz- Mary Elizabeth McGlynn contributed to them. Donna Burke contributed to a few of them who voiced um, Angela in Silent Hill 2. She also sings all of the songs for Metal Gear. Cool. Um, and his name is not coming to me. There's a dude, Joe Remersa, I think his name is. And um, the the four of them were like the Silent Hill band. I, I don't think it ever had like a real name, but mm-hmm. they recorded all of the songs for those games. And then... Akira left that band and Troy Baker of all people stepped in to record new songs for book of memories. Mm-hmm. But uh, Akira was secretly invited back to play lead guitar on uh, love song, which is the end credit music for book of memories. 
cool. Yeah, you there, we could do a whole podcast on the music from that yeah. franchise. I mean, well, for sure. people would listen to it too. I mean, there's a <laughs> large fandom for the Silent Hill music. I mean, it was, I mean, the, the aesthetic of Silent yeah. Hill is almost as much as uh, like a, people are a fan of that is almost as much as the games themselves. Actually, you know, I forgot to mention like when you guys were talking about the Silent Hill movies. Um, what I was gonna what I was gonna say is that like you know really the the the, the most important thing that the first Silent Hill movie did was expand the 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 uh, the thirst fan base for Pyramid Head with his massive amount <laughs> uh-huh. of cake. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I just like it's it's one of those like eternal uh, constants in the Silent Hill fandom is is people thinking that Pyramid Head is a hot dad. And, it's just uh, too unfortunate based on his backstory and all yeah, of that. I mean, well, that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to get too much into that because, like, I think <laughs> that if Silent Hill 2 were to come out today, there would be a lot of things that people are highly critical of. They would say that it's a game that justifies murdering your wife. They would be pointing to the very obvious rape scene and the the, the problematic implications of that. And, um, you know, I think that it's it's very, very difficult to kind of talk about something that came out um, so long ago in a, in a modern uh, uh, context. Cause yeah, you know, 20 years ago, it was very, very difficult, different what mm-hmm. shocking content was and also what shocking content uh, was, was acceptable. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, what if Silent Hill two would be as lauded today as it, as it is now. Um, and it's, it's also interesting to mention that like Silent Hill two was not as lauded when it came out as it is today. I mean, and that's evidenced by Silent Hill 3, which I'm not sure if you're aware, but Silent Hill 3 originally wasn't going to be a direct sequel to Silent Hill 1. It was originally going to be a different story, kind of like how Silent Hill 2 was a different story than Silent Hill 1. Mm-hmm. And um, But fans complained that Silent Hill 2 had nothing to do with Silent Hill 1, which is so funny to think about fans complaining about Silent Hill 2 in a modern context. Um, <laughs> but like Silent Hill 2, you know, having a different story than Silent Hill 1... Uh, mm-hmm. is why they made Silent Hill 3 a direct sequel. And, and to my opinion, was to the detriment of the franchise, though some people 3 is their favorite. I, I, I happen to not like it as much. Yeah, people love 3. And my only experience with 3 was playing those not good remasters from 2012, and I just like couldn't figure out the controls. But I would love to actually play it for real at some point. Have you played those Xbox 2012 remasters. I have a copy of Silent Hill 3 sitting right next to me right now, actually. So if you ever yeah. want to play it. I, well, uh, we would never have Silent Hill Revelations without Silent Hill 3. <laughs> so we really have to be grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, we have to be grateful. Spins. I mean, it's the, the truest thing about the movie to Silent Hill 3 is how it ends with a sword fight between Pyramid Head and a Cenobite. That <laughs> yes, was yeah, yeah, the yeah, canonical yeah. ending of the franchise to it me. I mean, that's a real battle. Or is like, how do you bring the series back after the Cenobite and Pyramid Head fight? Um, I want to show off a little bit. I went to theater school in Toronto, which is where these movies were kind of filmed. And my theater school teacher, Nikki Kudani, had like a like a literal, like a real role in the first movie. And I want to know if you can remember her. So I'm going to try to paint the picture. She plays like the mother of like a young woman. And they're trying to run into the church at one point. Yeah, she and throws the rock and then she is she the one that gets her. She's the mother of the girl that gets her skin ripped off. Right? That's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's my teacher, Nikki Nikki Gadani, who's not listening today. Um, Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, you never know. Gotta love everything that's filmed in Toronto. So, yeah. So wrapping up on why Silent Hills was canceled. Yeah, I can actually launch into a large thing about this. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I would love to hear it. I think that's actually a little bit more basic than people think. Like, I think that, um, you know, you look at 
there's there's a lot of rumors about feuds or whatever going on behind the scenes. And I think that um, probably the most shameful moment in Konami's history is where they refuse to let Hideo Kojima accept the award for Metal Gear Solid Five at like the video game, game yeah. awards. Which it, like first it's off, embarrassingly bad. Yeah, I mean it's so funny because Jeff Keighley, who you know gets a lot of flack for being a little bit milk toast, but you know I, I respect Jeff Keighley a lot for being you know basically a professional, you know a consummate professional. Um, he was like, he even said on the show, like, this is like, I, I'm, this is embarrassing and shameful that Konami will not let Hideo Kojima come accept this award. And I just want everyone to know that I think that this is, you know, like just not okay. And for Jeff Keighley, the guy who's made his entire career off of not making waves to say that to me was like a big, big freaking deal. I mean, it wasn't as big to me then, but it is like when I'm looking back on it now and looking at how he's built his career, it's like, wow, that is, that is actually pretty fucking shocking. Um, but I don't, I, despite that, I don't actually think that the reason that Silent Hills got canceled was like personality conflicts. Cause mm. like I, I, so I produce video games now, you know, and I've, I, I know a lot of backend stuff, not necessarily about Silent Hill particularly, but various different companies that I talk to. And generally like the reason is pretty simple, which is money. I mean, as much as we'd like to pretend that like there's these big secret feuds going on that leads to this and that project being canceled, like usually at the end of the day, it's like a calculation of dollars. You know, that's why Konami moved into like the Pachinko machine and, you know, kind of mobile app market is because, you know, they had a couple apps that made way more money than the money put into making them. You know, a Pachinko machine is not that, not that hard to program, not that hard to make. You're using a lot of assets that you're like either repurposing or just rebuilding characters you've already made, remodeling characters you've already made. And, you know, the, the amount of money that you can make on those is, astronomically higher than the, the investment that you put into them. Um, if you look at the history, like the financial history of like the Silent Hill franchise, the, the totality of the Silent Hill franchise has only sold about 7 million copies, which is, is a lot, but not as like... The perspective, much... Resident Evil 2 remake sold 7 million copies within a year. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just, I just about to say. That. Like, and I think Resident Evil 8 has already sold 7 million copies in the first like two seconds of being out, you know? That's so sad to me. And I mean, obviously it was a time where less video games were sold in general. Like the, the, the market has grown. So the amount of games being sold has grown. That's, that's natural. But <clears throat> excuse me, even compared to the success of the Resident Evil franchise, Silent Hill was always like trying to play catch up to a very large degree to the success that Resident Evil was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hideo Kojima games cost a fuck zillion dollars to make like the, if you look at death stranding i would be willing to guess death stranding was probably 250 million dollars i i mean Whoa. if you look at like the visual fidelity all the actors he had to have like things like that i mean i would i would i would low end estimate 100 million um is what probably they were asking for he was asking for cut down for silent hills and you know even even at something like 50 million or to 100 million you know i would be guessing i i, I would theoretically say it was probably higher than that but that's kind of my ballpark is like, you know, just playing conservatively. You're looking at a franchise that has only sold 7 million copies, you know, which generously $60 a copy over that, you know, whole, you know, number of games, you know, you're, you're looking at 300. What was I, what, what, what am I looking at? Uh, so it's like, so 76, so 360 like million dollar, 400, $20 million. Yeah. Like $420 million. Like, and if someone comes to you and they're like, give me a hundred million dollars, you're like, that's like a quarter of what the franchise has made total across like 10 games. 
or I guess I guess it's eight games because it's one from the origins. Uh, well, nine, eight main nine, games. Nine, nine, nine games. Um, yeah. Like and so you know you're like wow you want me to like give you a quarter of what we made for nine games conservatively and you know high end half like that's yeah. there's just no way and so I'm I'm willing to bet that really it was a a a battle of the budget there mm-hmm. and it, there is a lot of questions about you know why was PT released and then canceled? Why was it announced and then canceled if they'd already kind of made these decisions? And why were they so cold to Kojima in a way that is like very public? And I would be willing to guess, A, they didn't think that they would be getting the backlash that they did. I don't think that Konami went into it being like, yeah, obviously people are going to be super upset about Hideo Kojima being pulled off of this and us, you know, not letting him get the award. But you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, the people will understand, like, I don't think that they thought that I thought that they thought that this would just kind of like kind of come and go. Um, and so I don't really think that the decisions were made necessarily maliciously. I think they were probably made financially. And mm-hmm. um, I don't, I'm not trying to say that that like makes me any less sad as a fan, but I don't think that it's as like, you know, I, I think, and I also think that, when we're talking about all these rumors about Silent Hills coming back, you know, oh, is Kojima going to come back? Is he going to do it? I think there is a less than 0% chance that's ever going to happen. I think that whatever bridge did exist between Konami and Hideo Kojima has been thoroughly burned, like, eternally. Yeah. Um, and I, but I don't, like I said, I don't think that decision was made necessarily just because of personality conflicts. Because I... I mean, look, we I've been a journalist for a long time. I've known a lot about issues that happen behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, if everyone's looking that they're going to be making hundreds of millions off of something, they're going to shelve that shit and make sure that the product gets launched. Like at the end of the day, people are looking at the dollar signs, especially if you're the one running Konami. So I'd be willing to bet that the, the decision was made primarily because of finances and secondarily because... Um, some kind of personality conflict with Hideo Kojima. Yeah. And, and I, uh-huh. I throw in too, with Metal Gear Solid five happening in the middle of all of that, I think you can definitely see it. I mean, you can see Kojima go from making really expensive games to making really, really expensive games to like, I'm going to get Hollywood movie stars in my game. You know, it's, he could have gone with, you know, and this isn't even like a fan thing. He could have just gone with David Hayter who would have just, gotten paid whatever he normally was paid to be Solid Snake. Or he could go with Kiefer Sutherland. Cool. And for whatever reason, he decided to go with that second one, which must not have been cheap in no. any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And then MGS5 comes out, and it turned and they ripped his name off of the cover. And then it turns out that like an entire third of the game is just gone. So it's yeah. really clear that at some point, I don't think, and I agree with you, I don't think it's a personality thing. I think Konami went, we're not putting another zero on that check. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it does seem to me that Hideo Kojima is like the destroyer of budgets. Like, I mean, you look at all the people that were in Death Stranding, it's like, can we get a cameo from Conan O'Brien? Can yeah. we get a cameo from, you know, all these different actors? And, and a it's cameo like, from Junji Ito in that. Yeah. And it's like, cool. I mean, Junji Ito was probably less expensive to get than Conan O'Brien. You know, like there For was sure. like, there was, there was, there was a significant amount of money that must have gone into getting them in the game, not only because they're not only in the game, but they also like are modeled into the game, like through the use of like the, the, the tech, like, you know, that the, the, the dot tech that they put you in the suit and they have you do the full body thing. Uh-huh. Like they had to fly them out. That was probably a few days of work that they had to pay for. Like 
mean, yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, if you're looking at the budget, like I, I, I don't think the key for Sutherland did any worse of a job than David Hayter would have on. No, he's uh, fine. Yeah. On Metal Gear Solid. That being said, I, I don't think that David Hayter couldn't have handled the, the, the voice acting needs of Snake for Metal Gear Solid 5 either, you know? Especially considering that Snake barely speaks in that game. But are oh, these games making yeah. their money back? Or like, is he actually recouping? I would imagine he does. I mean, but that's, I imagine that's he a- does. But especially, I think that with Silent Hill, Silent Hills happening and all of that, and Konami just watching that budget mm-hmm. going up and up and up, I I think that they probably just said, nah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and horror in general. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, horror in general is less of a solid bet than you know a military shooter. Which, at the end of the day, that is what Metal Gear Solid is. Like, yeah. as much as as like, the, there's a large, wide audience for Metal Gear Solid from people that like the weird psychological stuff to the people that like to paint their face and like do stealth and like the people that just like gun shoot games. Like, there's it's a wide audience. Whereas Silent Hill, you know, despite how robust the fan get base is, it is pretty custom tailored to to horror fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Resident Evil kind of meets you halfway, but Silent Hill is a very thoughtful, atmospheric mood, and that's not going to be as sellable at the end of the day as like yeah, a, a space marine game. And it's one and only attempt to get to kind of nudge itself into a more action-oriented space with Homecoming. They did not it's like that. Like, yeah, people lose their shit over it. Yeah. I really don't think it's that bad of a game, but I people mean, treat it like. But that's not what this franchise is all about. You know, we have we have so many games like that. We have very sure. few games like Silent Hill. But that's the thing is like, what is at the end of the day, what is a franchise all about? Like what, who, who decides what a franchise is all about, right? Like Resident Evil, the, the, I would say that the biggest benefit of Resident Evil as a, uh, as a franchise is that like Resident Evil has consistently made content, a lot of content consistently since it kind of started, you know, there's mm-hmm. always new Resident Evil projects on the horizon, whether or not it's a main series franchise or, something like Dark Side Chronicles or something like Umbrella Core or something or just like more that. re-releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, exactly. There's always something coming out. So basically, you know, when, when Resident Evil made the decision to go in a more action-oriented direction and then continue along with that, they didn't just have the original fans being like, Gerg, I hate this. They had a whole bevy of new fans coming in and like, you know, really falling in love. with. The- I-, I will admit when I first played resident evil it was the gamecube edition and i was like 12 years old and i bounced off of it and i played resident evil 4 at like 14 and i was like this is the sickest shit i've ever played in my life like and that's what got me into the franchise and then to go back to the originals and kind of read like rediscover those and and love it but like Uh i was one of those new fans that got brought in by the more action-oriented uh uh you know titles and for you know i will say that the 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 number of people total that are super fans of resident evil to the point where they're like one through three are the only real ones. And the people that are super fans of silent Hill that are like one through three are the only real ones are probably a similar number of human beings, like just number of individual people. Mm-hmm. However, the percentage of the fan base that those people are for resident evil is far smaller than the percentage of the fan base that those people are for silent Hill because Mm -hmm. silent Hill hasn't really made new games in a very long time. And some of their later games were pretty poorly reviewed. Like there, because of that lack of consistency and continually coming out with new product, they're not harvesting new fans in the way that resident evil does. And as a result, the discourse is primarily led by the fans that have been fans of silent Hill for a very long time. And 
that's kind of the, what I would say is like, you know, Resident Evil's credit, they have those detractors, but they just keep pushing because they have this perspective of the new audience. Is that good or is it bad? I don't know. That's not really up for me to decide, but it is the reality of the situation. Whereas Silent Hill, on the other hand, has has far more gotten bogged down in this discussion by the super fans, which, you know, from a business standpoint of, of what Konami should be doing is I don't I don't I don't I don't want to I don't want to make any bold statements here, but I don't necessarily think that just listening to the hardcore fans is the most financially salient. And that's actually, you know what? I don't actually think that that's that controversial of a standpoint because I don't even think the super fans think that what Konami does is not financially salient. Like they're they're kind of criticizing Konami a lot for the the financial side of it. But I, I don't think that, from my personal opinion, that Konami's doing it right on the financial side because I think that they should continue to come out with new... If, if you're just looking to make money, push the action aspect of it keep going with that mm-hmm. and you know but I, I don't necessarily know if that's what's best of the franchise i'm not trying to say that i think that that's where i would like silent hill to go i'm just saying that if you want to compare the two which obviously you're going to compare resident evil to silent hill because they're like those are the two that you compare you know like that's mm-hmm. what you do when you're talking about one or the other and um you know so i i think that you know i, I just i just find that to be a very you know interesting conundrum for for konami because you know what you said about is that what Silent Hill is supposed to be? Is like, what even is Silent Hill supposed to be at this point? Like, what what is the Silent Hill game people would be happy with? And I don't even know if it is Silent Hills because Silent Hills has the benefit of having never come out. Like, we never oh, yeah. have to like have that conversation of did it live up to our expectations? You know, and, and it, 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 it's kind of like the 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 Lost City of El Dorado. Is the whole pyramid made of gold, or is it just the Fountain of Youth in the Metal, is or something like mm-hmm. that? You know, it doesn't. You can no, only fantasize about it. Yeah. yeah, you can only fantasize about it, and um, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting it, dilemma because at the yeah. certain point you have to ask who owns who owns a franchise. Is it the fans or is it the creators? And obviously, from a financial sense, it's the creators. But it, it, when you when the only content that has really been produced about Silent Hill in the last seven years since uh, PT was came out, I think it was twenty fourteen. So yeah, seven years. In the last seven years, really the only content that's come out about Silent Hill are the pachinko machines that are a joke and the fan theories, that fan theories keeping it alive. Mm-hmm. So I can understand to a certain extent the the sentiment of fan ownership of it because, you know, it's 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 like the it's kind of like the uh, the Star Wars fandom with like the, you know, the ice cream machine guy. Do you, you guys know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so Cloud City, you know, during the scene in Cloud City where everyone's running, there's a still a, a guy that's running. It looks like he's carrying a, a, an ice cream machine. And so fans kind of created this whole backstory about, you know, who he was and you know, he's the best ice cream maker in the galaxy and, you know, he loves <laughs> ice cream so much. Oh, my God. Where's then, the Disney Plus show about that? <laughs> well, no, when they, when they retconned um, the series and not I don't want to say retconned, but when they tightened the canon with the Disney acquisition, uh-huh. uh, they redid that character's backstory so now he's like part of the rebellion or whatever oh. and he was like it's a secret code and it just it kind of felt like to me it felt like a big fuck you because it's like why are you even touching that like that's like that's such a small part and i get that you're acknowledging the fan base by giving him an official backstory finally but not why not give him the official backstory that the fans have come up with which is the ice cream guy but <laughs> at the same time you have to maintain the integrity of your copyright you can't let really like there's a there's a real reason why you can't just let the fans write your lore because like yes. then there's a copyright issue. So, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of that goes into why these certain decisions are made and, you know, who really owns the fandom for it and, and who owns the, the, the essence and the soul of Silent Hill. And I think that we're at a point right now where, like I said, the fandom is primarily people that have been fans for 10 plus years. And so they have a very specific mindset of what they want it to be. So any kind of evolution of that is going to, or change or massive alteration is going to be, um, you know, a big, a big letdown to that core audience. And as a creator, it's hard to find those voices that are okay with it because that core audience is, is the loudest demographic now because you don't have that casual audience that something like resident evil does. And I know that was a very long winded statement, but, um, I think that it's important to keep that in, in mind. Yeah, I mean, just, just to follow up on you, I, I agree with you uh, to, the, to, to an extent. My stance would be is that at this point, I mean, I think if anything, Silent Hills probably did more damage than anything. Um, it brought a lot of eyes on Silent Hill, but it's also created this weird vortex where for whatever reason people think that silent hill cannot exist without kojima when kojima really doesn't have anything at all to do with silent hill mm-hmm. he made the one thing and then he was gone um not even the one thing right like yeah i mean he made pt and that yeah, was it. yeah um yeah. so now we're in a place where the core fan base you're talking about kind of hate silent hill and there's a general sentiment of just like, never make a game again, never touch it. And you have <clears throat> Konami, obviously they, you know, there's money on the table to be made. You know, uh, we'll probably cap this conversation off with talking about the future of the franchise, but yeah. um, I I don't know. I think that if I didn't, if I was in Konami's shoes, fuck the fans. The fans won't <laughs> like it no matter what you do. I yeah. mean, actually, I, I don't want to say fuck the fans because I'm afraid of getting death threats. But uh, <laughs> and then the same I'm side not saying that I'm saying fuck the fans. I'm saying that that's what they, <laughs> the, from yeah. a financial standpoint, probably should say because yeah. fans won't buy it anyway. Well, it's weird because I think that like a lot of people have a, have a hard time taking the long perspective on it. Because like, you know, like I said, Silent Hill 2 was like kind of trashed on when it like, first came out for being not a continuation of the first story, which is now like, how could anyone trash on Silent Hill 2? It's the best game ever made. But you know, and I think it's great. I, I like four better just because I like the, the internal part, like, you know, the part in the, in the apartment, I think that's super just cool. Um, but you know, that was back when the series was like trying to evolve, like Silent Hill two, like, okay, it's so funny. Cause I was watching, um, the Saw franchise recently. Right. And, um, like Silent Hill is in similar ways, you know, reflective of a lot of horror franchises like that, you know, the, the, the Saw canon, about Jigsaw trying to teach people lessons and, you know, doing it because of basically the entire, what we imagine Jigsaw as a character to be that was established in Saw 2 in Saw 1. He was just a serial killer that like, didn't, you didn't really know his motive or what he Mm -hmm. was doing or why, like that whole thing about, you know, you need to appreciate your life or whatever Mm -hmm. that really wasn't put in until Saw 2. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the fact that he was a cancer patient, the fact that he was, um, no, I mean, they did have allusions to that he was a, a cancer patient in Saw and Saw One, but like, you know, that whole the whole moralism of of the Jigsaw Killer was invented really in two and elaborated on, you know, mostly in like three and four and you know all those later movies that were, you know, you know, later later installments in a horror franchise. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Five was good, way better than I thought it would have been. Um, and Spiral was good, but you know, there's a. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't hate six. <laughs> oh, I don't want to try to devolve. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm yeah. accepting. But like the original but, Silent yeah. Hill, like Silent Hill one. I mean, what we imagine Silent Hill now as right is like a place where people go and there's a psychological representation of their own internal trauma, and the the city itself molds itself in some way or another to the internal trauma of the individual and that's silent hill 2 that's silent hill uh for homecoming origins you know shattered memories uh silent hill 3 to an extent but silent hill 1 is a story about like a dude that comes to a creepy town and his daughter gets kidnapped by a cult like it's not it's not the same kind of story i mean there's a psychological element to it but it's it's like it's it's not what we imagine the world of silent hill that was established in silent hill 2 yeah, all the all the all the sequels like, what does this creature's design mean? You know, how does this how is this influenced by the main character's psyche? I think this represents James's lust, and it's not always like it's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a like big worm. Yeah, I remember reading the handbook for Silent Hill Origin, and it was like the dogs in the game were representative of all the dogs that the truck driver ran over. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Box yeah. head was like pyramid head, but a box. And I was like, "Fuck off, come on!" <laughs> and the weapon degeneration was because they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what you're saying about like an evolution of a franchise is sort of like with Michael Myers being the brother. We don't learn that. That's a really good example too. Installment, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't, you know, they all count. I think in one way or another, it's sort of like the evolution of language. It's sort of one day at a time and eventually we have our set definition of what these franchises are and i think there is a right answer and there is kind of a wrong answer like i think there is a right way to go and make a silent hill game and it it definitely looked like they were on the right track with pt and those trailers and there are sort of wrong ways to tackle it but in between there are so many options for these creators to sort of succeed with yeah i i would say that i think that you're correct to an extent but i mean like who would have imagined that resident evil 4 was the correct way for that franchise to go i mean especially oh, if you yeah, look at yeah. uh, the trailers there, for resident evil 3.5 for sure people can yeah and we're happy to be surprised for sure but i think even when we are surprised and a creator thinks outside of the box they're doing it right we just didn't know like we just didn't think of it first you know mm-hmm. yeah it's, no, just, I, I, it's about I, I, tone I, I, I do agree to an extent that yes, there is a correct way to do. Like, I wouldn't want there to be. Like, I do think that the Silent Hill Pachinko machine was not the best future. Well, yeah, but I also think that's why taking this this franchise into an action or shoot 'em up heavy route is just not the right way to go. Like, we have that, and yes, that's how you succeed, maybe in the industry. But we, uh, you know, what I is disagree. the core? To- that's okay. I, I yeah. think that if you had a Silent Hill that took place in, you know. Uh, in a fictional war zone where a guy gets lost in a journey to go into this fictional war zone, you have a heart of darkness story where, you know, kind of like spec ops, the line mixed with silent Hill. I think that would be fucking awesome. I don't necessarily know if the fans would, would, would be totally on board for that. I, mean, I, I, I think that I like, think we get that in so many other places. Like, listen, I, I respect, definitely respect your opinion on this oh, because yeah, you're yeah, in this world. But at the same time, it's just, you know, I don't think that's true to the tone of why, so many people are connecting to this storyline or to this franchise. 
But yeah. you know yeah. what? I like being wrong and I like being surprised by different takes. I would say that the, the core thing is no matter what kind of game Silent Hill wanted to make, that like that first movie, it has to retain yes. the tone and the yes. style and the sound and the look. No matter what kind of game it was, if it was a shooter, if it was a puzzle game, yeah, yeah. if it was a text adventure, which does exist, there's a Game Boy <laughs> Silent Hill text I adventure. I saw that, yeah. Um, that keeping the silent hilliness about it is what would save it. Yeah. You know, having just a shooter that like you're shooting nurses and like there's a pyramid head boss. But how do you stay um, quiet with a, sh- like how does, how do you tonally stay atmospheric and quiet with, with that um, medium of game? Is it? I don't know. Last of Us did a pretty good job, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. I, I think that there's, um, I think there's room for experimentation. Um, I mean, like my thing is, and again, we're obviously we're we're going to get towards the future, but yeah. Um, I mean, we might as well start that now. Let's go into it. I've, yeah. I I am itching for that because this is yeah, interesting to me. Um, so Konami, it, it's been announced recently that Konami is partnering with uh, Bloober. Am I saying that right? Bloober. Yep. Bloober, yeah. A, a Polish developer that is behind uh, the medium Blair Witch and Layers of Fear, which people believe is sort of inspired by PT, possibly. Um, but they have not been announced that this is necessarily a Silent Hill game. This is all sort of speculation and rumor, although there are a number of reasons why fans are sort of becoming a little bit more convinced that this is a Silent Hill game. I believe the Silent Hill composer said at one point that he was his next project was, unquote, the one fans were hoping to hear about. And I think last year, uh, the developer that they've teamed up with said that they were working on a pre-existing IP with a famous publisher. So, I mean, it kind of does sound like this is all um, adding up to a Silent Hill game, but it could also just be getting us all ready for disappointment. And I think we need to be prepared for that possibility. Um, Um, What do you guys think about this? What do you think is happening with the future of Silent Hill? uh, I mean, I, I... On Rely on Horror, I've been keeping track of the Silent Hill brand for about a year now. Uh-huh. Um, there is zero doubt in my mind that Bloober Team is making a new Silent Hill. All signs point to it. Everything yeah. Konami's done in the last year from... I mean, they've been pushing really hard to reinvigorate the brand by having DLC appear in major games like Dead by Daylight, bringing out whole new lines of merchandise, starting and then getting a, starting a Silent Hill Twitter account for the first time in Uh franchise history and then getting it verified. Cool. Um, There's the fact that the Silent Hill web domain was repurchased. It still currently only hosts a Lady Dimitrescu meme from Resident Evil 8 for some godforsaken reason. Weird. But uh, that's Konami being Konami. Um, And Bloober Team, the uh, president of the company, I think, Pitor, I can't remember his name. Uh, Like you said, he spoke about working on an IP with a very famous publisher um, they just announced that they have this partnership with Konami. They did say the words, we are working on a horror game. Unless they're doing a Castlevania reboot, Yeah, Silent Hill is the only other thing. Frame also Konami? Oh, that'd be cool. No, Fatal Frame is uh, Koei Tecmo and technically oh, never Nintendo. Mind. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's all good. That's what I know. Um, 
Yeah, although we yeah. heard Fatal Frame yeah. 5 ported to everything, which I'm very excited about. Not where's a great game, mo- but I'll take where's it. Where's the Fatal Frame movie? This is my question. Well, the Fatal Frame um, movie is in the same place that the third Silent Hill movie is, which is inexplicably out of nowhere. Uh, Christoph Gans announced that he's making a Fatal Frame movie and a third Silent Hill movie in the middle of a random interview in, like, May of 2020. Wait, he said he and is or that he wants? No, he, he said is. he is. He said he is. Okay, thank God. I saw, um, I saw it, but I wasn't sure what it... Okay, yeah, I love he's, it. He said that he is, um, and uh, for anyone concerned, uh, they asked him what he saw to the second film, and he said he did not see it. Good for him. <laughs> um, Shady. But, uh, in general, Konami's making a massive effort to try to remind everybody that the franchise exists. Uh-huh. Um, there's still weird Konami-ness about it, uh, which we didn't touch on, but Konami has... Maybe the worst public relations I've ever seen from a company. Okay, can you talk um, more about that? I want to know what that means. Uh, Konami famously has a really bad track record with their PR and their publicity in general. Um, famously, there was a game called X-Blades, I think. Oh, God. And they released it without telling anybody it was released. Uh, they didn't ship it to anywhere. The game's own director couldn't find a copy of it on sale anywhere. And then they put out a launch trailer for it a week later. Um, I mentioned it earlier as a joke, but uh, in 2012, Konami announced the Silent Hill Month of Madness, mm-hmm. which in March of 2012, they planned to release Silent Hill HD Collection, Downpour, and Book of Memories about a week apart from one another. Um, competing with yourself is usually not a great tactic. Um, cause that was asking Silent Hill fans to drop like $170 in about three weeks. Um, it was a massive failure and book of memories was pushed back to October without them telling anybody they made no announcement. The only reason anybody knew about it is because GameStop was nice enough to have changed the date in their internal computers. And people found out that way. Um, and recently with all of this Silent Hill stuff, um, I don't know if we want to get too, too much into it, but the blue box conspiracy is its own weird thing at this point. Um, Just to explain it really quick, there's a video game company called blue box productions. I think Uh, they are a Swedish, I think game developer. They've made a couple of shovelware games on steam um, like asset flippy kind of garbage. They recently had struck some sort of a deal with Sony and they're going to have a weird, very PT-esque thing on the PlayStation 5 store that it's some sort of playable app. There's there's very little information. Um, and their Twitter account, either they are Kojima making a new Silent Hill game or it is run by, I don't know, a dog or something that that's like a genuinely stupid person because everything this company's Twitter account has done has fed into a fire that they are a new Silent Hill game. Their game is called Abandoned, uh, a new Silent Hill game being produced by Kojima. It is an absolute mess, um, and it's going to result, if it is not Silent Hill, it is going to result in death threats and doxing, and I'm really afraid for the studio. Because if they really are a small team of people from Sweden, they are really setting themselves up for something really bad, and it's really scary. Interesting. Um, but again, back to Konami, in the middle of all of that, 
Konami inexplicably made a bunch of really weird tweets uh, talking about, like, it's coming, coming soon, with, like, all this Silent Hill imagery. And then they put out this picture of Pyramid Head standing in front... It's the movie Pyramid Head, but Pyramid Head, nevertheless, standing in front of the um, a mashed-together version of the Halo of the Sun and the Seal of Metatron with the Silent Hill logo above it, and it was combining the logos from 1, 2, 3, and 4. And fans noticed that the logo was off-center just enough to leave enough space for a second S to make it silent Hills. And that would, what that's what would make the logo center. Well, and they announced a skateboard. And as far as anybody can tell, the logo was just off center and their graphic designer fucked up, even though okay. Photoshop literally has a thing that snaps your images to center frame. Yeah. But it's like, what does, what and people were messaging Konami's merch store Twitter account asking, like, do you know anything about Blue Box? Is there a new Silent Hill game coming? And they would just send back, like, winky faces and shit. Okay. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? So it's like, in the middle of all of this, I genuinely believe a new Silent Hill is coming. I genuinely believe it's probably Bloober Team. All signs point to that. Uh-huh. Um, the original rumor started by Aesthetic Gamer and a bunch of other people, including Rely. Uh, last year said that there's another game and uh, VGC just said that as far as they're aware, that's still happening as well. Um, All of that is happening along with Konami being weird and all of the blue box shit, which is also weird. And it's like, we're in this weird nexus of, I think all these things are happening. Yes. Not the Kojima thing, but Mm -hmm. I think Silent Hill is coming back, but it's not helped by Konami's, bizarre marketing department and weird shit like the blue box conspiracy. And right now it's more than just setting ourselves up for disappointment. It's the fact that every, Oh, and that's the other thing. Jeff Keeley is helping announce abandoned. That's That's a thing that was announced. That's an actor, right? That was Jeff Keeley's the host of the game. Awards, and He's Kojima's biggest fan. Gotcha. Um, and it's like he's best friends with Kojima and he's helping announce this little nothing PS5 game from a studio that made indie asset flips on Steam. What the fuck is happening? And it's like, so all of these things are all happening at once. And it's like, I think all we're going to get is a Blue team Silent Hill game in like June of next year or something probably. Mm-hmm. But there's all this other weird, weird shit that isn't being helped by the actual companies involved with Silent Hill. Yeah, they're making it more actual confusing. actual people just making it more a confusing. difference? Do you think that like what reads as winky in maybe Japan is, is coming across as just confusing? Uh, I mean, I um, assume that it's an American PR team running the Twitter accounts. So. Well, then no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I, let me butt in here real quick. There's a few things that have been said. There's a lot of things that kind of break down here um, that I kind of want to break down in, in, in order. First off, I think the the chances that Hideo Kojima is involved in a Silent Hill project is like basically zero percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that Hideo Kojima not only has no desire to work with Konami, but I would be willing to bet that Hideo Kojima is like persona non grata at at, at Konami. Um, I think mm-hmm. that Hideo Kojima has about a bazillion opportunities ahead of him, and I think that um, the idea of like oh he's going to come back to do Silent Hill is is very wishful thinking. Um, and I think that, you know, as much as you might be able to say, you point to different things that Kojima says, I, I think at this point we're kind of reading tea leaves with, with um, 
Kojima and in terms of Silent Hill stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I think Kojima probably wants to make a really great horror game. I think Kojima has the resources to make a really great horror game. I think that Kojima has plenty of people that he could partner with to make really great horror games. And I don't think it's going to be Silent Hill. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, October, what you're talking about with the promotion of uh, Abandoned, and I've actually talked to a couple other people about this. Um, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, if you take a step back, there are other games from nowhere studios that have been heavily promoted by Sony, like Returnal. Returnal was like $70 title on the PlayStation 5, very heavily pushed as like the uh, 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 like their their big title most recently. Um, really well-reviewed. Lots of people freaking love it. It's made by a company called Housemark, who previously made just like little tiny indie, indie games. So it's not unheard of for Sony to put money into a smaller studio to make a flagship title while the god of wars and you know whatever else sony has in production are still on the horizon um, i think that sony is in a position right now where you know very realistically they're trying to fill a schedule on uh, ps5 development um despite the fact that there is the COVID epidemic so um a little bit of I do have a little bit of insight into this because I do um, like we are trying to get some games onto the PlayStation is that, you know, it, it's very difficult to develop the port um, with a work from home situation. Um, it's just, that's very difficult to develop in general with work from home. So many games got delayed because of that. And um, you know, uh, and various companies were quicker or slower to adopt that situation. Um, and, you know, so a lot of productions had to be pushed. And as a result, I think that PlayStation is in a point where they are trying to fill their storefront with quality titles. Um, and typically Sony, the main focus for Sony is on their AAA studios, you know, Santa Monica, things like that, that are making these big flagship games. But with this hole in their schedule, I think that they're more likely to support someone that is a smaller studio just because, um, you know, they need, they need to fill up the space. Uh, on top of that, I think that when you're talking about, well, why would they just be sending like winky faces or why would blue box be leaning into this? I think there's a very real chance that if abandoned wasn't rumored to be silent Hill, then it would, I mean, I don't even think that's controversial. I think that if I don't even say, they need to say there was a chance if, if abandoned wasn't rumored to be silent Hill, it would probably be getting one, one hundredth of the eyeballs on it. than it is now. Uh -huh. So I think they are willingly leaning into it a little bit. Um, and I do agree that the fans will probably lose their fucking minds when they find out it's something else. But that being said, like I said, most of the time, these decisions are made for financial reasons, not to like, haha, tricked them. And I think that at the end of the day, the people at um, the blue box are like, it's going to get us a thousand percent more sales. So why don't we just lean into it? Despite the fact that fans are going to be mad because they want to be able to make their money back because, and I'm not trying to say that derisively at the end of the day, people need to need to eat. And mm -hmm. so that is what I think is probably going on with that whole blue box conspiracy. Okay. Um, then Talking about Bloober team specifically, like with them making the next Silent Hill, 
Um, I think that I agree with October that if you look at just the evidence, not the Dusk Golem leaks or uh, any of that kind of stuff, but just the evidence that we have from the financial reports and the announcements of partnerships, which I always put a little bit more credit into than I do leaks because, you know, from a very real, in a very real way, you can have something get leaked that is like two years old and it is no longer what is currently happening. There's a lot of speculation about uh, supermassive games having made uh, the Dark Pictures anthology because they were pitching for Silent Hill and something fell through and didn't get it. And that's why they're now being published by Bandai Namco instead of Sony, which seems like a big step down. There's a lot of tea leaves that I can read and say, this is what I think happened. And it's fun to do. But I think that um, if you're just looking at the, the brass tack financial stuff, I do think, you know, uh, October is is onto something there. Um, I will also say that I think that um, there is a lot of discussion about that recently that I I don't necessarily feel comfortable really getting into um, because there is a lot of people online over the past few years who um, view most major horror companies as the bad guy. Um, being that be Bloober Team or Red Barrel Games or, uh, fuck, why am I forgetting the Amnesia Team? How am I forgetting the Amnesia Team? Um, Frictional. Is escaping me too. Frictional, Frictional yeah. Games. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, and, and they're focused on Kojima or nothing. You know, just Kojima. If not Kojima, then nothing. And so... I'm hesitant to discuss um, Bloober carrying the torch of Silent Hill, despite the fact that I I personally like Bloober Team games, just because I think that so much of the discourse surrounding, I mean, it's it's fucking weird, right? Because if you were to have me sit down and ask me, what do you think about any of these thousand franchises of video games? There is a 0% chance that, you know, for really any of them, I'd be afraid to talk about it. But there, for Silent Hill specifically, and especially when it comes to the discourse surrounding Bloober and Silent Hill, I'm going to watch myself because, and, I, I, and I'm okay saying that publicly because, you know, there's a lot of really vitriolic stuff that's going on out there and like real death threats that are like kind of being levied at Bloober team because of a lot of these opinions that are going on out there. And opinions that I, I think in a lot of times are rather off base. Um, I don't want to like try to say that I think that a lot of the criticism is wrong. I think that there's things that you can criticize about a game and uh, you be correct about it. But I think that the type of criticism that's currently being levered at Bloober is the type that engenders a, a type of uh, vitriol that um, I think, unfortunately... Uh, as a longtime horror fan, is endemic to horror in general. Um, and I, I think that we've all seen the fans that can get, you know, comment sections on the newest movie in a franchise, talk about how the fucking director is a piece of shit and they should be fucking shot or whatever. And you're like, whoa, we're just talking about the newest Halloween film or the newest Rob Zombie movie here. And I, I, I'm... I don't know, maybe fandoms in general. I just happen to be most deep into horror fandom. And um, I, yeah, so I, I think that 
I don't know. It's it's a weird position for me to be in because I'm not someone that's afraid to say my opinions. And I'm I'm certainly not someone that's afraid to say opinions that I think will land me in in some hot water here and there. But for Silent Hill specifically, I I, I do kind of get afraid of of the discourse around it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that, but I think that it's I I really I I I, I just I wish that people could have more rational conversations about, you know, Silent Hill. But I do think that this is a byproduct of, like I said, which is that the fandom are, you don't have necessarily the casual Silent Hill fans like you do with Resident Evil because of the the lack of games in the last X years. Mm -hmm. Um, You have these very, very invested fans. And I think that it's, it's interesting because, you know, even the invested fans, I think, are at a point where they're like, you know, they look at a lot of what happens and they're like, just as this is nuts, but what is anyone going to do? Because then something else comes along and everyone goes nuts again. And it's like the Silent Hill circumcision thing. Everyone laughs about the Silent Hill circumcision thing. But, you know, I can't think of another fandom that would have happened in. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm landing myself in some hot water for that. No, one. I think it's it's cool to get your perspectives for someone that's on the other side of the table making games because you've been sort of able to ground us a couple of times. Like when I was hopeful that this was like uh, an issue of egos, and you swoop in and you're like, oh, it's probably financial. So it's it's interesting to hear someone be able to sort of come in from the production side of things because you have had to deal with toxic fandom and you've had to maneuver that on your own side of things. So it's cool. It's a cool perspective to have. Um, Do you guys have anything else to say on the future of Silent Hill before we we wrap up? Because you might have, I don't know, little tidbits or, or rumors or gossip that I don't have because I'm not on, you know, I'm not on the inside. Um, I mean, I, I kind of covered the majority of the base. Just, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, there's a new game coming, maybe two. Um, yeah, I heard maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, all, all signs point to it. Um, try to look at it with an open mind. Don't don't flip out. I You know, Ted got into it a little bit, but there's already been a lot of discourse on the idea that Bloober Team's the one making the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If you don't want it, don't buy it. It's very, very easy. Am I going to um, ever get to play these games on my Switch? I, I have no idea what the inner mechanics are, but uh, I would love that. I mean, I, I know that the medium, Bloober Team's last game, almost melted most people's Xboxes. <laughs> so I'm betting that's a no. Okay. Um, in terms of, like, ports of the old games, who knows? Konami released Silent Hill 4 on GOG last year out of the fucking blue without telling anybody. I mean, it literally just showed up on GOG one day. And I don't know. I don't, I think that if we did get a release of any Silent Hills on Switch, um, they probably won't be like HD editions. That'll just be, they'll be like um, the Mario 3D All-Stars where it's just the original games, but filtered through like a dolphin emulator. Hey, I'm it's, here for it. I, as long yeah, as I can. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I can play it on the subway. That's good by me. Um, yeah. It's, um, I would say with things like that, who knows? 
you know, Konami is Konami. They make very strange, unexplainable decisions a lot of the time. I love this bizarro yeah. Konami stuff that you guys are. I did not know that they were so strange, and now I'm more interested. Yeah, a a really good place. Um, if if you're familiar with Jim Sterling, uh, they were a commentator on Destructoid, and they went off and did their own YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they were perhaps the most vocal person about Konami back in the day. Um, <laughs> they have a whole section. I don't think they've done it in a long time, but they, they had a whole segment called fuck Konami news. <laughs> um, they started the hashtag fuck Konami that it, the K and fucking Konami. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. I've seen it. They did a really good job of covering the bulk of Konami's weirdness back in the day. Um, it Konami is a very strange company. Um, they make very weird decisions I think Silent Hill is for sure coming back. I think anything else, who knows? Um, you know, there's there's been rumors that um, Bluepoint is remaking MGS1 like they remade um, Demon's Souls. Who knows? I think there's a really strong possibility of it. It makes sense from a financial degree. You know, we've mostly talked about Silent Hill here, but it's worth remembering Konami's made fuck all in the last decade. The last, oh. like, real video game that they made that wasn't, like, some little, like, Switch game, like Bomberman, was MGS uh, Metal Gear Survive in, like, 2016. And that was it. They've made uh, some more of their football games, and they've made little mobile games and their pachinko machines. And that's it. There hasn't been a new Castlevania in, like, 15 years. There hasn't been a new Metal Gear since Survive. And God, all of their other brands are deader than Silent Hill. They haven't had a new game in like 15, 20 years. I mean, there's a massive amount of stuff that Konami owns that they just haven't done anything with. Well, then they should start farming them out to Bloober and other. That's, well, that's the thing. No. Is, and I, I sort of made a joke about this, but I do think it is a little true. Um, last year, the president of Konami made statements that they still believe that console games are the most important pillar of their business model, which is like, fucking where is it? But it was interesting because that statement came about a week after it was revealed that Japan is making, is going to be cracking down really hard on gambling and pachinko machines. specifically. It's like, Hmm. Hmm. Suspicious. Okay. I, I do love it though. I love the drama. <laughs> it's very drama. And I think that feeds into why people assume that there was bad blood between like, like yeah. ego mashing with that's, Kojima. Is that's what Konami's, I, that's yeah. What I kept hearing. Konami comes off like weird high school drama. A lot they of the They totally time. do. And I was hoping that it was, but it's been yeah. squashed by you two and I'll have to just edit it out. <laughs> so um, real quick, I, I think that um, two big points here that I think that are interesting. One is, when you're looking at the weirdness of Konami and how they advertise um, and how they just drop things randomly, you have to realize that they are both. So Silent Hills isn't happening. Kojima's gone. However, they are living perpetually in the shadow of Silent Hills and the Kojima Productions games. I mean, if you think about the Konami games that people really love, there is a single name that comes to mind as who kind of, was the, the creative force behind those. I mean, I guess uh, if you're going to Masahiro Ito and you know, there's really good other people, but you know, like Kirio Kojima is really the name that most people would know. And so 
you know, with, with Silent Hill's kind of PT dropping randomly, when I see that they drop Silent Hill or something on, on GOG, it's like, oh, they're trying to do what they did with PT, which is just have this random drop and then let internet buzz kind of take over, which is cool, but they're doing it wrong because they're trying to replicate the things that some auteur did, but as a business, which you really can't do. You need to have that auteur mindset. I mean, Ko- Kojima for, you know, all the weirdness that he he is, I, I think that he is a very artistically driven man. And I think that he has a very firm vision for what he wants, an unshakably firm vision at times. And while that can be difficult to work with, it also leads to really interesting Things like things that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't drop a game without saying it. But if Hideo Kojima does, it's going to do fucking great. You can't just do what Hideo Kojima does. There's so many examples of people trying to do just what Hideo Kojima does with long-winded writing, nonsensical plots, ridiculous mixtures of flame whales and PMCs. You know, like it doesn't. It, it, it's like it's like a it's like a fever dream. It's like trying to make Twin Peaks as anyone other than David Lynch. And, you know, but there's just such a artistic purity to Kojima productions that, you know, if you're Konami and you're trying to live up to that legacy, the fuck do you do? What do you do when someone sends you a message saying, is this the new, is Blue Box the new Silent Hill? In my opinion, I don't know what I'd do. Maybe I'd send a winky face trying to be mysterious. Mm -hmm. That's a shitty way to try to be as mysterious as Kojima but, you know, not everyone can be Hideo Kojima. So I think that usually when you're looking at Konami weirdness, it's more based on trying to maintain a legacy that they don't know how to maintain without the person that maintained that legacy. And so that's what I think is the easiest explanation for a lot of that weirdness. Um, cool. And then on the other the other point I was going to make real quick is, um, you know, it's it's weird when you talk about the future of Silent Hill, because every time you talk about the future of Silent Hill, you're going to draw a lot of really angry people that say this is what they think the future should be. You know, it's a strange fandom at times because, um, you know, I was looking up the Twin Perfect uh, Twitter account before this just to kind of see if they had you know mentioned anything about it. And the only real tweet lately about it is that, like, I agree that Silent Hill should die. And that's kind of Jim Sterling's opinion. And that was Yahtzee's opinion back when he was, you know, one of the voices in, in the Silent Hill community. And, you know, in a certain way, that's like, you know, Voidberger and Bob Vids, you know, who do a lot of discussion about it. You know, they're they're also kind of of the opinion in some ways that Silent Hill is done and they should just let it die. But that's a weird fandom, right? Like, how do you build a game to cater to a fandom that believes the franchise should end. I guess you just don't make a game, but that's not a salient business strategy. I mean, that's that's why I said before, fuck the fans. They will, <laughs> they will never be happy, and that's the only thing Konami can do is just ignore them. I, I don't think fuck the fans, because I think that what you're thinking of is the fans that exist currently. And that's why I wanted to draw the parallel to Resident Evil, right? Is that you have those hardcore fans of Resident Evil that are... I don't want to even say that they're hardcore. They are a specific subset of fans that believe that one through three are the only ones, you know? And by continuing to create, they have cultivated a new base of fans that doesn't hold that opinion. And as a result, their games have sold better than ever. So maybe the solution is not to just say fuck the fans, but 
to try to cultivate new fans with new strong. I think that whatever they do, there needs to be a strong vision behind it. I don't think that Silent Hill at this point is a franchise that you can just half-ass into eternity or else it'll just, it'll just keep falling off a cliff. I do think they need some. hmm? I I think your misunderstanding is, is, is with fuck the fans. I don't, I don't mean like in general. I mean, the fans that Silent Hill has literally, I mean, literally. Yeah. No, like, like when you have fans, quote unquote, saying just let Silent Hill die, I don't want another game. What are you supposed to do for them? Yeah. Just ignore them. Make a game for a new audience. Surprise. Surprise us. Surprise us. Do something to cater. I mean, you know, we just heard the rumors about Dead Space. Do some, try to cater to the Resident Evil market. Try to, try Mm -hmm. to cater to, to a larger fan base than the angry people on Reddit that are still bitching about HD collection almost a decade later. It was bad. It's, (laughs) fine <laughs> All right. it's fine and it's the only way you can play two and three on consoles that don't on I consoles that don't require yellow white and red cables yeah i, I mean, here's the thing is yeah I, I i think that yeah to a certain extent i agree with you, which is why earlier when we were asking about you know could you have an action silent hill i was like i think that it'd be cool to, to place a silent hill in you know a war zone like that would be interesting and, and that's the reason i'm saying it is because i don't necessarily think that that's the direction they should go i'm not trying to say that's what I would do with Silent Hill. What I'm saying is, is that something like that that has a strong vision, in my opinion, is is would be the best future yeah. if there needs to be a future for the franchise. Yeah. Um, but I it's do think that yeah. without a future for the franchise, it's going to be continue to be a very insular community. And I, you know, I, I do a lot of research usually when I come on before podcasts. I've I have followed Silent Hill discourse for a very long time, and even I. There's so many sub discourses that you could kind of dive into for weeks and not reach the bottom of it. And I'm talking about minutia here. And the fandom is like is 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 nigh impenetrable now for new audiences. And I think that we as horror fans need to realize what that does because you know there there are no if you're 18, 19, 20, you don't care about silent hill you care about phasmophobia you care about i mean i don't even want to say slender man anymore i don't even know what those kids care about now I'm dead by man. daylight dead by daylight you know, you know, you know something like resident that. evil um, seven and eight yeah resident, resident evil two. seven and eight exactly <laughs> i mean like i said i got into resident resident evil with four and i can't be ignorant of my own behavior patterns and how they like you know i'm, I'm not special you know none of us here are special um, we're all just, you know, people that got into the fandom one way or another. And, you know, we always have that gateway horror that like gets us into something. And usually it's something that pertains more to us as a new generation rather than something that was built just to be something for the older generation. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that's one of the things that as time goes on, a lot of these franchises that were heavily shit on when they came out have had kind of revivifications. I think the best example of this is the Star Wars prequels. I mean, there are a lot of people who, you know, fucking I mean, uh, red letter media got famous from, you know, a very, very insightful and well done takedown of the Star Wars prequels. But I would say there's a larger audience now of people who grew up with the Star Wars prequels that love the prequels, love the Clone Wars cartoons, love the, that whole yeah. franchise. And they're the real market that has given legs to things like 
the new trilogy, which I mean, I don't like, but I'm an old man, but like things like the Mandalorian for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the reality of the situation is that like, you can be, and I, I'm not trying to stand up here and say, all you people talking about Silent <laughs> Hill, stop, you know, like, I'm not trying, I, I think it's great that as, you know, we all move into the nursing home, we'll have something to talk about while we play back, you know, Parcheesi or whatever, uh, talking about the, the glory days of Silent Hill before we whisk away to the grave. Like, sure, that's great. But just be aware that, like, there are people out there sending fucking death threats off of this shit. Yeah. And, like, that's yeah. right. And don't be those people. Don't yeah, please be those don't, people. Please don't do that. Don't send me death threats. Send me <laughs> love letters. Um, on that note, um, we're going to wrap up mm-hmm. just for time reasonings. But thank you both so, so much for this literal incredible insight that I have learned so much. Uh, where can we find the two of you online? October, why don't we start with you? Uh, you can find my written work at relyonhorror.com. We have daily horror game news, reviews, previews, and more. We're getting very excited for Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, dropping on the 8th on Netflix. Nice. Um, and if you're interested in my art, you can follow me at Sissel the Cat. That's S-I-S-S-L-E, the cat, because I can't spell. <laughs> uh, and like I said, I do spooky art. I also have a running comic series right now called Chamber Time, which is a fanfic shipping Jill Valentine and Rebecca Chambers because I said so. I love it. And commissions are open if I saw, and, and the work is really cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I got to give a big shout out to October over here. If you're a fan of the yeah. Dread X collections, the second Dread X collection, there was a comic book uh, in it called Stealing Fire that we, as part of the overall plot for the Dread X collections, October here uh, did the illustrations for that. Very did a cool. Fantastic job with it too. It's actually Thank one of the you. special features on uh, the second collection. You can find it in the game files if you don't want to find it in game. Um, so yeah. And you were right to bring October in because yeah, this is Silent Hill like deep cut. Uh, we need it today. So thank yeah. you again. Um, Ted, where are you? What? How can we stalk? Yeah, and so find you can you? find me sometimes on Twitter at Dread Henschke. Um, I very rarely tweet. Uh, I do appreciate the follows. It makes the people that pay me feel like. Um, uh, I'm doing my job. <laughs> There's a reason, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's just I don't much like tweeting my own personal opinions out all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really busy, so I I, I don't <laughs> often think to. There's no time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you can find most of the stuff that we make at uh, uh DreadXP um on Twitter. Uh, let me make sure I'm getting it right. Uh, cause I, I, I can't remember where the underscore is in that cause it's DreadXP yeah, underscore. Gonna because, we're going to want that. Yeah. The, the the, the underscore, cause it's the only, uh, when we, like the moment we made the website, some bot immediately picked up DreadXP. So, of course. Um, and then, you know, uh, also you can find, you know, uh, all of our articles at the DreadXP.com. That's where you can also find some information about our new games. The website's currently being rebuilt so that we can better focus on the games we're coming out with. You can find our games on Steam. Uh, the first collection is also on itch.io if you prefer that. Um, but, you know, all our games are on Steam. DreadX Collection, DreadX Collection 2, DreadX Collection 3, DreadX Collection The Hunt. All are on Steam. Uh, also, Spookware is going to be on Steam. Dread Delusion is going to be on Steam. Uh, Sucker for Love is going to be on Steam. NFN is going to be on Steam. Uh, have we announced any of the other ones yet? I don't believe we have, so I got to stay silent about those. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so always, you know, honestly, the best way to follow what we're doing is at DreadXP underscore. And uh, for me, <laughs> if you want to talk to me personally, you know, uh, at DreadHenchke is, is the best way to find me. So, Well, I love it. Thank you. Also, um, I do, before I forget, I do want to do a quick shout out for uh, one of my writers named uh, Joe Couture. 
Uh, he wrote the book, uh, unofficial book on video on PT, a 200 page kind of essay on PT. It's, it's a lot of uh, how I did research, not only for, the, I mean, I read it a long time ago. I, I did, did another skim before this. Um, and I, I actually kind of, you know, I want to give him some credit here at the end because, you know, he, he did a, a shitload of research. So if anyone at home is interested, uh, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll Joshua, I'll send you a link to it, but it's mm-hmm. called PT, a video game ghost story. You can oh, find it on it. Amazon. And, he and ends, we'll put it in the notes here too. He ends in a really, really good, he ends that book in a really nice way where he says uh, something along the lines of it, I, uh, that, you know, at this point, PT is as much a campfire story as anything else. I love that. It's not, um, you know, we're never gonna, basically the only really way to interact with it is through half memories and retellings of it. And, you know, let's players playing through. um, And, you know, it's, he says PT may one day be a video game ghost story. And I just can't think of a more fitting end for such a frightening experience. A more fitting way for its horrors to become real is to, as it transcends code to become the haunted game and console it deserves to be remembered as. Um, And, you know, I think that that's, that was really prophetic when he wrote that down. Um, And uh, I just want to give mad props to Joel because he's a great writer and uh, I'm lucky to have him. Yeah, Yeah. that's beautiful and sad because, God, I wish we could have had this game. But something's coming. It really does. And I I didn't even realize that there were, like, recent rumors for a next game, you know, in the last week. I can send you uh, my article if you want to read over it. Yeah, I'd I'd love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Coming soon to Dread, the maid. Joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family. Joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance. The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021 and on Blu-ray August 17th. 2021.